we are continuing our series in the Refresh series. But before we move into that, I just want to make a few comments. Today was a pretty, or this week was a pretty significant week when we look at the question of sanctity of life. It was uh, a big decision was made. Yeah. And it really is around what the United States is trying to define as when life begins. And we have seen in the Word of God that every person has value to Him. Every single person is important. And that is demonstrated in these days that came, that every life is important to Him. And I think it's, it's vital in these days. Now, this, this decision does not necessarily change everything. There's still a lot of things that need to happen in the law system and in every state. But I think it's important for us as a church to recognize it as our place to step in, even with those who, don't have, any, who have great questions of how that impacts their lives. As we show love to them and recognize that we endorse things like foster care and adoption and care for all who are vulnerable, we're the church. And I really love the, the posture here that says we care. And that means that we care for everybody, and we love each person along the way. And so would you continue to be in prayer as we reflect on what does it mean to love people right where they're at, whether we agree with them or not. And obviously in these areas, we believe that each life from conception on is important and valuable. Today we're continuing our refresh series. It's a whole summer of the book of Acts. And there's so many different topics we're going to be uh, going through. Pastor Mitch and Pastor Mark and I have met together several times. We have a lot of fun topics to go through this week or this summer. But uh, essentially our goal is to understand how the early church ticks. How, how, How did they express themselves? What were the traits and habits that categorized that early church? And from... The chapter 1 through chapter 28, there's so many things going on there. And whether we really recognize it or not, we are chapter 29. Now, there isn't a chapter 29 in the Bible. We are living out the, the extension of the church now some 2,000 years later. And it's so important for us to look back at those 28 and say, what does it mean to be the church of Jesus Christ today? And one thing that we continue to see is that the Christian life is built upon experiencing the supernatural activity of God. God is desiring to and continues to do things outside natural normality, things beyond our understanding, and we can put our trust in that. Today, we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, and the value of both of those things happening. As we look first at this powerful prophetic word from Jesus, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, as we reflect upon the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray right now that this Sunday morning isn't just somehow a checking of a box in our spiritual lives, of coming to church and getting through it. But Lord, I trust that 
in some way, you have something for each of us today. So, Lord, would you open up our hearts and our minds? Would you help us focus on you and your voice today? As you guide us in your Holy Spirit work. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Acts is kind of a cryptic kind of a a title for a book, right? Most of them are defined after their author, but the book of Acts does not even reference really Luke so much, the author of this uh, historical book and and theological treatise. But what we want to see is that the book of Acts has some significance. And I thought about what people would define as the title for the book of their lives. Like if you had a chance... As, as an autobiographer, to have a title for, for your book, what would it be? And I actually looked at a few different places online and message boards of what people would say, and I found them uh, rather humorous. One said, lifestyle of the overworked and underpaid, right? Learning to live a life by trial and error. This one is kind of uh, you know, adult-sensitive. It says, hormones aren't good decision-makers, Right? Sickness, suffering, and pain. Yesterday ain't going to be my tomorrow. One person said their autobiography would be defined as oops. And another said, I t- the book of Acts is often defined... Uh, maybe that was posthumously written. I don't know. But the book of Acts is often defined as the Acts of the Apostles. Others would say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that the sweet spot there is the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. That the Holy Spirit was active and working inside of people's lives, and we are, as Acts 29, we are the instruments by which the Holy Spirit uses to make a difference in the world. And it's so important for us to understand that. And My hope as we look through the Holy Spirit's work in us and the Holy Spirit's work through us that somehow we can find it very practical. Sometimes when things are really spiritual, it does not seem practical. It seems practical maybe in an hour and a half or a two-hour service that the Spirit moves in and you say, oh, that's a Holy Spirit moment. But I don't know if we often look at the act of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives as something that happens Monday through Saturday. But it is essentially that. It is foundationally that. So first, let's look at the working of the Holy Spirit in us. John 14, 16 through 17 says, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and step through that kind of portal of repentance into new life, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit abides in us. So from the onset of salvation and accepting new life, the Spirit of God abides in us. And that is the way in which we connect with the Trinity through the Spirit. And let's look at the ways in which this happened first It reveals to us our need for salvation. John 16a puts it this way. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The working of the Holy Spirit is almost like 
that part of our lives that tells us what's right and wrong even, that guides us in, in the areas of, oh, there's something morally wrong in this situation, and we recognize that wrong. Now, even the world that struggles with the fact that there is morality always have a sense that there are people that do things wrong and can't keep up with a value system. Even within ourselves, we say we want to do something, but yet we fail at it, especially those things that we would consider a moral law. Uh, Paul speaks about it in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, these wonderful, amazing chapters of his struggle with the reality that he wants to do right, but for some reason he can't. He keeps failing. And the Holy Spirit inside of them are, are speaking to all of us that, hey, there is wrong and there is right. And the Spirit in and of Himself guides us into all truth. Even though Jesus is in us all the time, sometimes we don't want to know Him through His Spirit. So the Spirit reveals to us our need for salvation and also teaches us the truth. John 16 tells us, When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And he will disclose to us what is yet to come. Also, John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what I have said. The very practical part is the Holy Spirit guides us in what is true and what is not. As we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we're always understanding of what is the truth in this situation. Because I'm here to tell you, although society says there is no truth, the Holy Spirit says otherwise. That there is a sense of right and wrong. There is truth in the world. There is not this sense that one person's truth is different than another person's. Now, perspectives are real, but truth is solid. It does not change regardless of situations. If you struggle with understanding what truth is, especially in these hard conflicting ideas that we deal with in culture. I want to give you a very practical way of allowing us to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. I really challenge you to read your Bible. And it kind of just kind of goes like this. Come semantics and we say it in the world that, hey, it's important to read your Bible. And it kind of just kind of goes like this to all of us, right? But honestly, read your Bible and read it in a very specific way. I have... I have very good friends. We had this one gentleman who attended our church in Ukraine for years. He was a devout Muslim. Uh, he, had, he, was, he spoke seven languages, and he attended every single service. And he had so many friends. He went to small group, but he was a devout Muslim. He did not believe in Jesus. And he had read the Bible over and over and over again, and for him it wasn't truth. He didn't want a thing to do with it, right? Great guy. He brought great potatoes to every potluck, by the way. I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but, right, great potatoes to every potluck. But if we don't have the Holy Spirit working with the Word of God in us, we're not dis- distinguishing truth. So, so I really encourage you, when struggling with truth in your life, just find a place to sit down. And there's something magical about a co- cup of coffee with it, right? So sit down, find a quiet place, get a cup of coffee, and really ask the Holy Spirit this. Lord, would you show me your truth in your word so that I can apply it to my life? See, I really believe that the the responsibility of a a pastoral staff, of a leadership in a church, is not to tell everybody what to do. 
but to train us all on what it means to be guided by the Holy Spirit through the Word. The Word of God can be understood by all of us and the application of its truth into everyday life if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. Say, Lord God, even if it's hard for me to understand or even hard for me to apply because I don't want to hear it, would you show me truth? Would you show it to my life? But let me tell you, it takes a little bit of work. It means being in the Word. And it means doing more than a Sunday morning. So the activity of the Holy Spirit in us reveals to us our need for salvation, teaches us truth, but also comforts us. John 14, 16, again, says, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper. I don't know if what it says in your translation that you may read from, but often that word helper is translated comforter or encourager. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to help you along, to encourage you in that place. And Jesus even said it when he left. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He sent his spirit that will always abide inside of us, no no matter how lonely you feel, no no matter how separated you feel from anybody else. The Holy Spirit, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, is in you and will comfort you. I went to... Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and I had some great friends that got me in trouble all the time. How many of you have friends like that? Anybody? They're great, right? And not bad stuff, just just weird situations. My friend Randy always got me into awkward situations. He decided he wanted to go spelunking one day, which is caving, going down into caves, and so he had heard about this cave called Bat Cave on this guy's farm. And uh, we pushed some boards off of the front of it. And me and two other guys, Randy and Sean, and three flashlights went down into this cave. I don't suggest it. Um, but I really had a, good, I had a good time that day. We went three hours in one direction, straight down, and just kept going, kept going. And at one point, two flashlights went out on us. Right? We were down to one flashlight, kind of kept hitting it and you know, trying to clean it and wading through water and other things that I won't discuss and bats everywhere. And, and at one point, because we had one flashlight and we were very turned around at one point, uh, Randy says, one of us should stay here in the main cavern and remember the, the direction that we came in and the other two should take the flashlight and go. And so I said, I'll stay, right? And I remember sitting in that cavern it was a giant room, like three times the size of this thing, bats covering the ceiling, right? And uh, they wiggled down one cavern, down one way. And I remember thinking to myself, I have never been more alone in my life. I mean, really, nobody was coming to get us. Nobody knew where we are, what was happening. I didn't have a flashlight, darkness upon darkness, right? I couldn't see anything. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt so alone and it didn't matter whether you were deep under the earth in the darkness, you could be in this telling you that when the and feel alone? I'm telling you that when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, you never need to be alone. He is our comforter, the one who is walking through this very complex, very difficult life with us, will always encourage us. Always love us if we allow him. So, reveals to us our need for salvation. The Holy Spirit teaches us truth inside and comforts us inside. 
but also sanctifies us. Our character begins to look like Jesus because his spirit is in us. Galatians chapter 5 gives us this wonderful list of what our lives should look like if the spirit of God is in us. And foundationally, it is this idea of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all the things we don't necessarily see categorized in the world life. It's not there. We should be contrasting. We should look like Jesus. Went to a wonderful wedding uh, on Friday, and uh, Jeff Drake's brother did the did the ceremony, and it was a beautiful ceremony. I think it was one of the best-led ceremonies. As a pastor, you're always looking at these things, right? And another pastor got up there and did. And I could close my eyes, and I swore Jeff was actually doing the service because his voice was just like his brother's, right? I mean, it was just, it was uncanny. And I turned to Christina and said, they just are just alike. They're so alike. Why? Because they're brothers. They're, they're from the same gene pool. They're, they grew up together. They've lived together their whole lives and know each other very well. Oh, that we would start reflecting Jesus. Oh, that such a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we're into the Word and the Holy Spirit is teaching us truth and comforting us and guiding us and His Spirit. We start looking like Jesus. It's important that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. But it shouldn't just end there. And, and I, I believe the book of Acts is a book in which it tells us that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives should not end there. And I think in our modern faith, often that's where it ends. We really enjoy the working of the Holy Spirit in us. We're not real comfortable with the Holy Spirit working through us. We're actually a little afraid of it. The working of the Holy Spirit is God using us to impact the lives of others. To really make a difference and show them Jesus in a practical way. We need to come here today with a sense of transitioning from just the inner working of our lives but also to show God's love in very practical and, as we talked about earlier, supernatural ways. That the Holy Spirit so works through us that we see people's lives changed around us. When we read Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to all these places around the world. In other words, when the Holy Spirit's power is working through you, it's going to change communities around the world. It's not just for me. Although the working of the Holy Spirit in me is so vital and so important, but it cannot end there. It has to be more. And we see in Acts 2 and 3 this powerful infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the filling of the Holy Spirit was a separate an intentional act of God to empower the early church for acts of serving his kingdom. I want to work in you, yes. And I want the Spirit of God to work through you. That's scary. It is. Because we've come, become comfortable with ideas that our faith is private and personal. And Jesus is asking us, let the Holy Spirit work through you. 
there's this condition called anemia. It's a condition that de- develops when your body produces a lower than normal amount of healthy blood, uh, red blood cells. Often you can't tell in a person when they're anemic. It just results in tiredness and exhaustion, right? And I think that, the, that that's a, a characteristic. It's almost like we're faith, that spirit life. Because there's such an integral part of our faith that's missing, and that is the Holy Spirit working through us. There's a term, a sociological term, that has come about as a result of major technological changes in the United States, and the term is called cocooning. Has anybody ever heard of cocooning sociologically? It actually started as a result of air conditioners. When air conditioners started, architecture changed. People's lives socially changed because before air conditioners, what did people do at night? They sat out on their porch, right, to cool off. The house was too warm. So everybody had porches, screened-in porches on the front of their house. Who uses their screened-in porches anymore? Very few people. You go in by, okay, you guys do. You go into the air conditioning, right? And then when you're in the air conditioning, you turn the TV on and the blue light just kind of emanates from the windows or if everybody's got their their personal devices, then it it emanates from the six or seven in the house, right? And we cocoon sociologically. And I really do believe that, that the church has taken on that idea of cocooning. The Holy Spirit desires to work through us so we don't live this anemic faith, one characteristic. So let's look at what the working of the Holy Spirit, often called the filling of the Holy Spirit, or baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives, really brings about inside of us, right? And therefore, then the practical of pursuing that we'll look at at the end. First of all, we see that it gives boldness. It gives boldness. If you remember the story of Peter, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Brian preached this at CSM just a few weeks ago. Peter, he goes through this really strong Uh, denial process where Jesus says, you're going to deny me, and then he does it three times in a situation where Jesus is being tortured. He's given every opportunity to stand up for his faith, but he becomes meek and he hides off, right? Now, Jesus Jesus is crucified, Jesus returns, Jesus ascends into heaven, and he says, wait, the Holy Spirit is coming to give you power. The Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, this amazing Pentecost move of the Spirit, right? And what does Peter do? He steps out into a crowd of people and he preaches a message to all those people who he probably denied in front of just a few days earlier. He had the boldness to do that. Uh, some, some commentaries speculate that more people came to Christ that day than all of Jesus' ministry before that. That's kind of hard to understand. That he stepped out in boldness in that moment, and up to that point, he shrunk away. He denied. I need a little boldness. I think one of the most awkward statements in our culture today is, hey, do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about Jesus? Oh, that's a taboo topic, right? I mean, even on the news, even on uh, media today, they'll talk about the church, they'll talk about Christianity, but they never talk about Jesus. It's like the word that's been taken out of all of our faith components. Have you ever been in a situation where you know you've had an opportunity to share your faith, 
and you've, you even feel like it's a God moment, and you're scared to death. Yeah. I've been that. I've been pastoring for 25 years. I still get that once in a while. What do I say here? What do I do here? Holy Spirit, give me boldness. Right? And we see in Scripture that boldness comes out. You are divinely placed to communicate the love of God. I want, I want that to be a, a, an important focus for us. That God has put me in a position for the Holy Spirit to work through me. And first and foremost, in communicating the great love of God. There are a lot of amazing uh, things that God does through the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about some of them in just a moment. But I don't think anything is more significant than that sermon that sees 3,000 come to Christ. Now, some of them are more miraculous, even more supernaturally mysterious. But what we see is God adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And that is the foundational heart of the moving of the Holy Spirit through us, is that it serves and cares for those. Boldness, but it also, the activity of the Holy Spirit through us gives us boldness, but it offers us power to serve. We see miracles come in uh, from that point on in the book of Acts. 28 chapters, there's really 29 big miraculous events that happen in those 28 chapters. I mean, things that nature and society can't even like question or even rationalize. Some of us have seen those kinds of miracles in our lives, and some of us haven't. Just as a show of hands and no reason to be awkward, how many of you say, you know, I've seen a verified miracle in my life? Whether it's through me or another person. Wait, keep them up and turn around and look around. Take a look around. All right, we've seen God. Do, and others of us, we say, you know what? I don't know if I've seen it, but I believe in it. And I trust in it. We see that God is doing these amazing things. We want the Spirit of God to move through us, but we want it for the right reasons. There is this guy, he's kind of hidden in the book of Acts. He's named Simon the Sorcerer. His desire, and we've, I'll just go over it, Acts 8, verses 9 through 25. Uh, he saw Philip laying out of hands and people being filled with the Spirit. We don't know how we recognize it. Most likely they began speaking in tongues. And the recognition was there, that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, Simon's like, I want that. I want what Philip has. So he goes, what's it going to take? What, what can you do to give me the power to do that? Right? Jesus warned against that kind of a nature. Those who seek out manifestations just for the sake of manifestations and just for the sake of miracles. The purpose of a miracle is to glorify God. The purpose of God transforming our lives and doing an amazing thing is not, uh, look what the God has done through me. No, it's look what God has done. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 makes it very clear that we should earnestly seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We should desire God to work through us, but the desire of everything that God does in us and through our lives is to point to the glory of God. I had this professor. He was an awkward guy. 
uh, at Central Bible College. And anytime he felt like God was doing something in a message, right, he'd be preaching or he'd be teaching. And you know a Holy Spirit moment happened. Something was said, something was done in the Spirit. Maybe it was in the worship. He would stop and he'd step back and he'd just point up. Right? He'd, and everybody's like, kind of awkward, quirky thing. And, and he would explain himself and he's, he says, my desire is to get out of the way and get everybody to look that this is a God moment right now. It's not, it's not a, a doctor, whatever his name was, moment. This is a God moment. I think our lives need to reflect that, right? It's not a matter of what I'm doing in these moments. What is God doing through us in these moments? And point our lives to God. So the miracles come, but also these amazing power in prayer. We see a prayer language coming out in, in the book of Acts that it was normative for, especially in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 as they reflect back on the moving of the Spirit through the book of Acts and how it applies to the church. And people began praying in other tongues or a heavenly language. And there is power in that prayer. So the Holy Spirit begins praying through us in those moments. Also, we begin praying with knowledge. Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you just kind of feel like you should pray for somebody? Because I guess the feeling in your gut or something in your memory, it just kind of comes up and you're like, I just, I'm going to just take a moment and pray. It happens to me quite often, and I can't tell you how many times I've just kind of wrote somebody and say, hey, I was thinking about, I usually quote it in that words, you know, I was thinking about you today. What's going on? How are you doing? You know, and sure enough, they, wow, this day was, wow, the Holy Spirit just had me pray at the right moment, right? Who knows what our urgings of the Holy Spirit inside of us, when we're sensitive to the Spirit in our lives, could be using us to transform very complex and difficult situations. So the Holy Spirit comes to work through us to give us boldness to be witnesses in this world. To offer power to serve, we often see the miraculous happening. But finally, to provide gifts of the Spirit as the Lord gives them. Forward by one and the same Spirit, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these empowered by one and the same Spirit, all given gifts of the Spirit by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I don't want to really get into all of the gifts of the Spirit and what God is doing in all of them. I think that's a sermon unto itself and an important sermon for us to talk about, that the gifts are active and available for us today. But I just want to touch on this one thing. Acts 14 verse 1 challenges us to earnestly seek them. But like I said, for the right reasons. Lord, would you use me to make a difference in the people around me? that I could show the love of God in miraculous ways. People could know God is speaking to them in a powerful way. It is a matter of us allowing more of the Spirit of God in our lives. Each of us must aspire to give the Holy Spirit full control of our lives. I grew up, uh, my grandma and my, my mom and my sister and my brother all worked at Prangy's department store. Is that familiar to anybody down here? Prangy's, right? Uh, I think there was one in Sheboygan maybe. Uh, it was like a family thing that I got away from because they closed. Um, but I grew up in the department store. How many of you were mall rats? But with joy, you raise your hand. I was a mall rat. 
all right? I was a mall rat. I, like my mom would go to work, I'd just walk the mall. But it, in the turn of the last century, department stores became very popular, right? In the, it, before that, you had mercantiles that kind of focused on one thing, right? Uh, maybe they were in farming equipment or maybe they were in kitchen goods. And the department store comes up, the biggest maybe Sears, right? How many of you remember the Sears catalog, right? Where in the Sears catalog, you could buy diapers and a house. Really, for those of you who are a little younger, you could go in the Sears catalog and you could pick out a house and they would send you every nail, every window, everything you needed to build. You had to build it yourself, right? But imagine, everything under the sun, Sears, Sears they were thick books. They were great at Christmas time, right? And some of us live our lives like the department store, where our faith is just kind of a department out there. It does not integrate into every part of our lives, right? Um, maybe we have a section that's sports fan, another area that's German heritage, another area is chicken wing enthusiast, right? And then we have this other area that's a Christian. Usually it has uh, a time base of church, 1.4 Sundays a month, which is the average commitment level of a follower of Jesus in the United States right now, 1.4 times in the church per month. And yet, our faith is just something that is set aside for a time and a place. In order for allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, we need to say, you have all of us, Lord. It is, it is an intentional decision that I'm not going to segregate out God from a portion of my life, but that he has access to every part of my life, to my home life, to my work life, to my entertainment, to my finances, to every relationship I have. Holy Spirit, come on in. Take a look. Have your way. Work in me in those areas, but also work through me. Think about it. Work through me in my home. Work through me in my work. Work through me in my entertainment. Right? How many of you have friends that you go off and do something fun with? They have no idea you're a follower of Jesus. I think that's pretty typical. There are those parts of our lives. The Holy Spirit truly works through us as we are filled with him in every part of our identity. I give you all of me, Lord. Come on in. Give me your boldness. Give me your stability in life. Ephesians 5.18 has this, this weird little list of kind of do's and don't do's, right? And one of them, like smacked in the middle of it is, do not get drunk with wine. That's kind of another sermon all to itself, right? Do not get drunk with wine, for that is disappear. Understand how this, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us to understand how this this verse is written. It is written in the present imperative form. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I would try to make that practical to you today. Get up in the morning and just simply say, Lord, through your Spirit, my life is yours. All of it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. 
so I might be used by you, that, that I could push out. You would sanctify inside of me, and I would push out those habits of sin. And Lord God, that you would so work inside of me that I would pour out over. I am so filled with the Spirit that it pours out over into my life, and it really makes a difference in the lives of the people around me. I don't know if that's easy. So how does this occur? Seek the Spirit of God supernaturally to work through you. Seek God. Have a prayer life. Distinguish a time in your day that you have a prayer life. Not for a sense of obligation, but a sense of, I just want more of God. Brother Lawrence called it practicing the presence of God. I would just say talk to God all day. Begin praying for and expecting the miraculous. Uh, there are times when I pray for people, especially when it's a really heavy prayer request, right, where it has to be a miracle, right? And I have this, this, this kind of default within my, my personal flaw. My default is this. I'll pray for science and doctors, I mean, we have done that, right? Lord, help the doctors to really do a good job, to find what it needs. And I think that's a good prayer, but not to exempt out the prayer that says, God, just take care of it. Just heal. Just miraculously come in and change it, God. I think both prayers are viable. Uh, this, this doctor thing is really important. I think God uses science in a powerful way. I'm so thankful he's given us great minds. But on the other side, there is the miraculous that says, God, just come and show up. And just believe for the miracle. So I, I challenge you today, pray and believe for the miraculous. Simple question. I expect a, a good response. How many of you have something in your mind that you would really love God to give you a miracle for today? Raise your hand. Pretty good response. A couple of double hands going up. Right? Ask. Just Ask. I'm not saying he's going to do it. We have a sovereign God. But expect the Holy Spirit to work through you in your prayers. Expect for the miraculous. And be used by God to reveal God's love to somebody else. Be bold. Be willing to tell someone about Jesus. You have access to people that nobody else in this room will. You have relationships. You know, there's kind of this default within the church that uh, somehow if the pastor can get to them <laughs> and share the gospel or a couple of people that are really good at it in the church. But guess what? We don't have access to the people you have access to. The, the scripture calls it your oikos, your household, your sphere of influence, right? You have a sphere of influence that God has put you in for a purpose. And I don't know how God desires you to share your faith to them. But that is the primary desire of the Holy Spirit working through us, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, every end of the earth. It's okay to be a little scared, even a little nervous on how they're going to react. Pray for boldness. Pray that God would use you.